podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Liverpool played Man United on Sunday and we had a scoreless draw. Um, joining me to chat through the match are Sir Kenny Dalgleish and Paul. Uh, welcome, guys. Just before we get into the game, just want to remind you to uh, give us a little subscribe and like the video so that YouTube know that you like our content. Getting into the game, guys. Team lineups. Um, I think all the build-up before the game was that Matip was going to play and at last minute, obviously, he didn't make it. What did you think of the uh, the team that, that Jürgen picked? Well, for me, apart from uh, Matip not being able to play, uh, it was just it was just exactly what you would have expected. The surprise was Shakiri coming in uh, to play midfield uh, in front of James Milner and Oxley Chamberlain. Really, I, I don't think he would have risked Curtis in a game like that. So uh, it was a if he's no fit, matter if he's no fit. So. He's better off leaving them until Thursday or even leaving them to the cup tie at Old Trafford mm. and giving them a run out to see how he, how he shapes up then. He could have put them in. He could have gone again and that would have been uh, that would have been finished for another three or four weeks. So, I mean, Yogi's not done too badly through the five years he's been here picking teams, is he? So, we trust what he says and we believe what he says and as I say, it was... Uh, it was difficult not having Jordan in the middle, I think. But a better team with Jordan in the middle. But certainly defensively, he did very well and so did Fabinho. Paul, just coming to you over that, there was a lot made of the fact that Henderson played centre-back again. Obviously, we we tried that at Southampton. Don't think he was at fault for the reason, you know, the reason why we didn't win at Southampton. But what was your thoughts on it? I don't think there was many other options. Um, I think that, you know, after the game, you look at it and you go, it wasn't it wasn't the two centre backs that um that had anything to do with you know us not winning the game. Uh, we kept a clean sheet and I thought Fabinho especially was excellent. And I thought Henderson, all things considered, was excellent because he's done it a lot less than Fabinho. So my dad said the only real surprise was Shakiri uh, and, and a slight change of, of system really. Um to play Shakiri ahead of Thiago and Winaldo at times. Um, I know we changed in the second half and put Shakiri on the right and Salah through the middle, but it was it was um, that was the only real surprise. But when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because you you know United are going to come and sit in, defend deep, um, and Shakiri's got an ability to to shoot from distance. He's got ability to play a final pass, mm. uh, so it it made sense. You know, you had a few you had a few people on the pitch, Thiago, Shakiri that could play a pass, and in the first half, I think we did everything but you know connect that final pass uh or, or make the finish there was a there was many occasions where you know the one that springs to mind immediately is Firmino's on the edge of the box and Andy Robertson's just outside to his left now when things are going well and we're firing those cylinders Firmino plays that pass Robertson scores and then we're ahead and now United have got to come to us and now we can we can pick them off but getting that first goal was uh, was vital for the way we wanted to play. And unfortunately, despite a good performance in the first half, we just didn't get it. Ken, just, ask, just going back to you about the Henderson choice and playing Jordan back in there as a, you know, he's obviously a midfielder, but 
doing that rather than picking one of the kids, I guess, who is a recognised centre back. You know, what's your thoughts on that? How would you how would you see that as a manager? It's always difficult, um, but I think it's it was correct not to put any of the the two young lads in. I mean, Reese Williams was at Kidderminster last year on loan to get a bit of experience. Comes back, he's getting up about five or six divisions or levels. Uh, to come in and play against Manchester United uh, would have been uh, it's a wee bit much for him and he's done really well in the games that he's been in um, so I think it was I think it was the right things that I think it was the right decision to, to move and experience one and to bring it's not really it's two things it's Jordan come back to centre back so you lose him and all his attributes in the middle of the pitch but you bring in an experienced person instead of one of the youngsters and Shakiri, and Shakiri has got a wee bit of a, a magic wand in his left foot at times. He can cut a defence open. So, uh, yeah, you would understand why it was done and, and why what Jurgen's reasoning was behind it. And I, I think also for ourselves, it's three with three centre backs injured. I mean, three injuries you can handle. Three in the one position is a bit more difficult to fill in. You've got to move people around and about because nobody carries a, a whole bundle of centre-backs in their squad. So we've had to cope with that and uh, I think they've done really well to cope with it and at the same time still be up sniffing about the top of the league. Um, I think the game itself was, I thought it was really enjoyable. First half, the passing for both teams was really crisp and sharp and, and Thiago that's his first game at Anfield for Liverpool. He's he's a chapter ahead. Upstairs, he's a chapter ahead of everybody else on the pitch. He sees things and he knocked a pass in. He must have had a can opener in his pocket when he put this one through and it, it got there. And that's his first full game for a while. So we've got a lot to look forward to with him and the team. Uh, and obviously the, the front three who have been fantastic for Liverpool throughout their time at the club. They, at the moment, they just kind of buy a goal. So, I say, for all for all that we've been through and all that, that's happening at the moment, I think it's brilliant the position that they're in. First off... Uh, you know, sorry, Gav, Dad, just, to, just to your point about, um, you know, you, you can look at the positives as well. Like, the, the passing was brilliant in the in the first half. In the second half, it was decent as well. It wasn't as good in the second half, but it was still good. And I think that there's a big part of that Henderson and Fabinho playing centre-back, you know, because the confidence it gives and the composure that they give at centre-back helps us control the game with the ball. And I think, you know, you, you might lose a little bit defensively from having them at centre-back, but you gain a whole lot in terms of keeping possession and, and the quality of the passing. And I think there was times where, you know, that they showed composure in that role that maybe others wouldn't. So I think there was pros and cons of playing them there. But I think the main point to, that you're making, Dad, is you, it's all right playing Henderson at centre-back if you've got another one to play in midfield. But you do lose out on his kind of industry and leadership in, in midfield. Yeah. Everybody wants to play the position that they're most comfortable in when it comes to a big game, Paul. But it's great credit to the two boys they go into centre-back and by the way, you wouldn't know that they weren't centre-backs. If you would come in as a stranger and watch that game, you'd think these two are good centre-backs. Mm. Um, 
but the problem with the passing ability is it's it's 40, 50 yards, maybe 60 yards for goal. Whereas yeah. in midfield, it's that little bit forward. So they didn't, they, the passing isn't going to go awry there because they were getting mm. plenty of time on it. So they're going to just, pass just, comfortably. Just going back. A wee bit just going back to. By the way, it would have been it would have been a lot more exciting for us. Yeah, cool. But just talking about being further up and a bit further forward, and you you were glowing about uh, about Thiago, and I think that you know he's he's a player that's got Liverpool fans really excited because he's different to to anybody else that we've got, and he's different to most others that are playing in the world at the moment. He's got exceptional ability. Do you think, Dad, when when somebody comes into the team that is that good and and you know it's hard to replicate that that the other players will take a little bit of time to get used to how good he is uh and to learn how to read what he's actually capable of well, so, I was so thinking, we see the best version of him i was thinking about this the other day and i was wondering that he's he's come in does that mean that some of the players aren't taking as many risks because the option to just give it to this unbelievable player is there so they'll do that rather than do something off their own back. Do you think that's possibly a thing? Yeah, they, they, by the way, they might. But there's nothing to, there's nothing to suggest that the rest of them are capable of making passes. Mm. And good passes. So if they see a pass, they'll not be short and no. passing it forward to the front three. And another one who's no... I've not seen mentioned too many places is Jota. Jota was in fire. He was coming on. Uh, scoring games, he scored a hat trick at Atalanta. He was in fire. He was he was winding everybody up, and then as a right turn, and he's been injured for what best part of six weeks or something, mm. maybe longer. So they've had their troubles and pr- trials and tribulations with the with the injuries, but they've no more. They've just got on and they've done their job, and it's just got to keep going. And it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Next week at Old Trafford, if we put a, a stronger team than what we have normally put out in the FA Cup, it'll be interesting to see what happens then. Because there might be a few of the boys coming back that'll need a game. Mm-hmm. The boys that never played, like Milner, um, Oxley, Chamberlain. Um, Curtis Jones. Who? Curtis Jones. Well, Minamino. He'll get a game. Minamino will get a game. Um, so... It's, it'll be, I think we'll have a strong team but it'll be interesting to see what he does at centre-back because yeah. Manchester United will play a strong team mm. but I think considering the problems that we've, we've had with injuries and one thing there are I think, I think the boys have done really well to be where they are If you're enjoying this video so far please show your support for the Ken 7 channel by subscribing clicking the like button and also clicking the notifications button as well to get future broadcasts If you could also share the video on your Twitter and Facebook account, that will show YouTube's algorithm that you like our content. Have you heard about Ken7 merchandise? The link is in the description of this video. We have premium fanware for fans covering Liverpool, Celtic and Scotland. And it's fanware for young and old. So we have t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, caps, mugs, you name it, we've got it. Just something else to remember, every purchase that is made on our website, we donate to the Marina Dalgalish Appeal. So you're helping a great cause as well. 
I think as fans, we're quite insular, aren't we? We always look to see what we haven't done. But let's look at Man United's performance. I mean, I thought their midfielders got a grip of the game in the second half and Thiago didn't have nearly as much space. Did you think that he changed something at, at, at half-time and, and that nullified us a bit more? Because we certainly had a lot more of the ball in the first half. Well, I thought if you look at Thiago and you look at Shaqiri, they've not played a lot of games in between them, have they? So, Jeannie was in there and Jeannie's played a lot of games recently and maybe he he ran out of legs because of the games that he was playing in. But the other two never had many. And I thought, I think that Fernandez has made a huge difference to Manchester United. He's like a, a little bit like Alcantara, he can hit a pass. He can see a pass and he's, he's a clever player. His movement's good and he gets in good positions. And he, by the way, near the end, he nearly got a goal as well. Mm. Which would have been... Great save. Well, like, and, and Gav, listen, it, it's normal that, you know, you come to Anfield, they try and keep it tight in the first half, get to half-time, you know, clean sheet, and then open it up a little bit in the second half. You know, it's it, it's normal. Teams take more risks as the game go on. Um, so I think all those things combined, added to what my dad said, I think, um, are the reason why you saw. But I thought their two centre-backs were excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought they were excellent. But then, and you look at it and you go, well, their two centre-backs are excellent and, and our goalkeepers had a couple of big, big saves. Um, yeah. So it was, I think it was a fair result. You know, fair result. They're, they're flying at the moment, aren't they, compared to where they've been in recent years. Um, we're on a little bit of a, little bit of a, you know, a, a down patch, if you like, a little bit of a, but I think a draw's a fair result. And I think before the game, when you saw Henderson and Fabinho, as well as they did, when you see that in your lineup, you go, a point, keep the unbeaten record at Anfield going. Yeah, I mean, you're not happy, but you're, you're satisfied. Let's drill down to what, what we, we've alluded to while we've been talking, and, and it's this, this lack of goals. We've got, not scored a goal in four league games. What do you got, Kenny? What do you think this is down to? I mean, is it a lack of confidence? And, and the important thing is, what, what can we do to, to restore this? If you were managing Liverpool at the moment, what, what would you be saying to them? What would you be working on? No, they're still go- they're, I'm sure the boys believe that they're still going to score. If they don't believe that they're going to score, then you have a problem and so do they. But they have the belief that you're going to get a goal and because they're well capable of scoring goals. Mm. I mean, you scored his first goal at Anfield for over a year recently. So he's not been too prolific, but he gives you an awful lot of other things in the game. And it's not just about the names on the score sheet, it's about how you get to those goals, how you get into that position of being able to score goals. And if you just maintain their movement and don't have any self-doubts, they'll get the chances. They had two or three opportunities in really good positions. Paul mentioned one way with Bobby and uh, when they could have slipped it left to Andy, Andy Robertson. And who knows what might have happened, but I think they're still getting in there. Even in the second half, Salah getting in and he he, I thought he was going to let it come across him and hit it and he took it back in towards the defender mm. and he took it off him. They're getting in there, they're getting the opportunities and the boys have always been capable of scoring goals and I don't think that will change. There's no a great deal of goals coming from the middle of the pitch either, which is, I mean, Genie can score a goal, he scored 
a few for his vital times as well. Um, but the midfield players have been moved back to centre back, and it's, you go to have a hell of a shot to cut score for centre back. <laughs> You're going forward. They can do it for the middle of the pitch, but it's a wee bit more difficult the further back you go. So, all in all, it's uh, the the you. You're conscious, you're aware that you haven't scored, but you cannot stop believing that you're going to score. And if you stop trying to score, you'll never score. Dada, and I'll get to I'll get to my point in a minute. Was not a, what season was it where you didn't score many goals? Do you remember at the start of the season you were there was a season, I think you might have still won the league, but you personally weren't scoring that many goals. What year was that? I saw it the other day there. Uh I can't remember what year it was, but I remember when I broke my duck. And by the way, it was well into the season. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a header for a corner. I scored the big fellow, big guy up front, scored with a header for a corner at Brighton. The goalie, the guy was knocking it off the line, the goalie got a hand to it. And he tried to change his direction and boot it clear and it went right through his legs. (laughs) So... Uh, you just need a wee bit of luck. But was it a relief, Dad? Did, like, was it, it was on your mind? It was a relief to score, but yeah. it wasn't as bad. It's never as bad if you don't score because it's not about you, it's about everybody. Yeah. But it's never as yeah. bad if you're winning. Yeah. And at the moment, if the boys only scored and we're no winning, I mean, I think we've scored one goal and two goals in four games. One goal. No, no way. Uh, Newcastle, one one West Brom, one 0 Southampton, and now now with Man U. So four games we've scored one goal. Mm. That's unheard of. Yeah, with a three together, unheard of. So mm. it's something that I've not come across before. But the best way to solve it is to continue believing in yourself. Well, and we've only taken, we've only taken three points, three points in four games. City have taken 12 and Man U have taken 10. It's a big difference. Mm. But I think I think that's ex- exactly what it is. You, you don't, just because things aren't going well, you, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You've got, to, you've got to stay consistent. And I think just at this moment in time, it's just the decision-making with the final choice. You know, when you get a little bit tight, sometimes you, you lack a little bit of composure where normally you might play the pass rather than think, I want to try and get off the mark here, try and get a goal. And then you shoot and it's the wrong decision. And I think that, you know, the only way that you can get through this really is by scoring a goal. However it happens, the only way you can get through it is by scoring a goal either or making that final pass that leads to a goal. Get that little bit of confidence back, get that little bit, you know, lose that little bit of tightness and it'll come. But I I think, and I've been thinking about this, and people are talking about, people are, Anything that happens at Liverpool, it tends to be because of Van Dijk. Because Van Dijk came to Liverpool, they had success. Now Van Dijk's injured and the results are going up. It's Van Dijk. The results, this changed. This isn't a new thing for Liverpool. This changed at the end of last season before we won the league. You know, we, we, we kind of, we won the league where we were so far ahead. But when we've come back from the, the, the COVID situation, uh, the performances haven't been as free-flowing as what they were in the past. And I think you're seeing that with, with every team in the country. You're seeing 
weird results. You're seeing inconsistent performances, inconsistent results. You know, it's the most open Premier League uh, in, in years. You know, and, and I think that you, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to understand what environment you're in. And I think Liverpool, Liverpool have been driven for the last two years before COVID with a belief and a desperation to win the title for the, for the first time in however many years. And the fans came to the stadium and they would drive the players on. You know, when the players maybe felt a little bit low, the fans get behind them and pick them up. They don't need to pick themselves up because the fans were getting behind them because the fans were demanding that Liverpool did everything they could to win the league. They don't have that at the moment. You know, Liverpool's been a fortress for a number of years and the fans played a massive part of that. And I think the biggest reason why Liverpool are where they are is because if you do have that little bit of self-doubt, you're looking for someone to pick you up. And the fans have been there to do that for Liverpool for the last two years. And unfortunately, in the last you know nine months, it's not been possible. And I think that's affected us more than anybody gives it credit for. Well, you mentioned earlier on in your diatribe there about... Um, very impassioned, oh, that, wasn't it? I, was, I had a little tear. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, diatribe, Gav, diatribe. You say passion, he says diatribe. So, I said, yeah, no, your diatribes, your diatribes means you're ranting. <laughs> you're ranting I, I, oh, so, I, thought, I thought that's what you meant to do on a podcast, speak, no? Ah, but no ranting, right? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. But, but you talk about the players going through and maybe they, they're a wee bit undecided whether to pass or whether to shoot. Paul, the bonus is they've got an option. Right. The next thing is they've got to have the confidence to execute whether you pass it or whether you shoot. And if he shoots and it doesn't go in, somebody will say you should have passed it. Hmm. If he passes it and it's not accurate, they'll say, why did you not shoot? Yeah. So you have got to have the confidence and belief in yourself that you're doing the right thing. And once you're committed to it, go away at 100% because anything else is going to be wrong. It's going to be but I, I think what you're talking about, Dad, was uh, outcome-based analysis. So, like, if, if the ball goes in, then no one says it was the wrong decision. If the ball doesn't go in, then people question the decision. But I think there is certain instances that we've seen in, the, in recent games where, you know, if, if, if you were to ask people that know about football, should they have shot or should they have passed? The pass might have been the better option, you know, and 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 that's all. I'm, that's all I'm saying. That's what happens when you you maybe get ninety five percent confidence, and it's only really success that gets that back. Yeah, but Paul, before you decide, if you go generic and the guy's anonymous and you say shoot to your pass or shoot to your short, right? Who is it that you're talking about? What instance are you talking about? You're talking about high, high quality players here that are yeah. capable of doing both the things. They're capable of doing both. So there's no way in this world, whatever they want to do, they can't execute it properly. And there's a, there'll be games that they've scored three, four goals between them. And somebody will say, oh, why did you shoot? Oh, it's a goal, right? He shot because he's capable of shooting and he's good enough to score. So it's just a run of, it's just things go in cycles. And at the moment, our cycle is we can't buy a goal. And 
the problem that we solved early on when we were struggling is they could bring on Jota. And Jota's not been available, as I said earlier, for about six weeks, two months. He's not been available. And he makes a difference. Coming on the pitch, he's a wee bit different to the other three, but he knows where the goal is and he can, he can take a chance. And that's that's important. And I think that's a fact of that, but Jota wasn't there for the two years previous where the, the, the front three have, have performed brilliantly. So the, the biggest thing that's changed is supporters not being in the stadium. That's the biggest thing that's changed, in my opinion. The supporters in the stadium, not only did they help Liverpool at Anfield, they terrified yeah. the opposition. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right, so they're sitting there, oh, this is brilliant. And they don't, they don't strike fear into the Liverpool players because they, no. they know that they're there supporting us. They're not mm-hmm. there to criticise us. So it, does, it has been maybe a hindrance. Well, I, I, 100%. I also think that's why Man United have, have been doing better because there's been no one in the stadium. You know, their, their, their away record's been good because the, the punters that travel with Man United that go away are normally more positive, you know, well, but the, the ones that come... The away fans for most teams when they go away. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So because you've got less and they're more committed to, to, to going on the, the away games. But, you know, Old Trafford can be an intimidating stadium, but it can also be an intimidating stadium for their own players if things aren't going great. And I think that's that's helped them. I think it's hurt us. You know, there's the Holy Trinity, right? The fans, you know, the, the fans, the players, the st- everybody together, right? Everybody together. Well, that's why we, you know, that's why there's been this synergy between the manager, between the players, between the fans. And we had that and it's been amazing. It's been like going in a time capsule. And that feeling that you had when you're a Liverpool fan about everyone just being in the same page. And to be fair, you've had a big, you've the, one of the most, though, everyone's equally important, but a big part of that's been taken away without that connection with the supporters. You know, Jürgen going on after games and, uh, you know, doing his punch for the, for the cup, you know, players going over. That, that, I, I think it's been a huge, huge, um, leveller for teams and I think that's why the, the title race is so close I, I really do because I think that has been a leveller and I think it's going to come down to who can perform in these env- this environment the best Well that's um, I mean we, we, we've talked through the Man United game I think it's probably a good idea to, to leave that now um, we've got two games this week Burnley and then Man United in the FA Cup um, how what do you think the mentality will be going into the Burnley game, Kenny. I see this is going into every game. Mm. It's it's all on now for us to win. I mean to go as I say, three points out of four games or something, isn't the the stats that they're looking for. And they've got Burnley at home and they'll be dogged. They'll be well organized and uh he'll have them he'll have them uh working hard to keep us at bay. But we've just got to continue. The beliefs that we have in ourselves are there for everybody to see. Don't start... Be positive with yourself. Don't start doubting yourself. Go on the pitch. Get a, get a result. Even if we go one down, as Paul said before, and rightly so, the fans would have got behind you and, and wound you up to go and play. If you're not just 
clicked into it 100% at the beginning, you lose an early goal, they can lift you and get you driving forward to get the equaliser. We need to find that from within ourselves, if that's what's missing for you. But Burnley will be, Burnley will be dogged. But I noticed since the, I think since a new owner has come in, they've not won a game. Right. I think, anyway, three games or something they've lost, have they? So, it'll be a classic for a nil-nil draw. Probably end up four each. <laughs> I think that, listen, I, I think a big factor in that game is going to be Matic. You know, is Matic fit? Because they are a team that can exploit two players that aren't natural centre-backs playing at centre-back, you know, with the set pieces, the type of football that they play. So I think that getting Matic back um, could be could be a key factor in, in how that game turns out. He was close, wasn't he, obviously, for the Sunday game. Um, something that I wanted to talk to you about, actually. Obviously, we've just discussed the... Maybe I should have brought this in earlier, but we've just discussed the front three and goals and everything. And I, I'm sure you have, Paul, but I wondered about, about your dad. Kenny, have you, have you ever played in a front three? No, consciously. End up sometimes it's a three. Because was four three three a thing? I mean, it was obviously existed, but did anyone? I mean, it was four four two or four four one one back in back in especially in the eighties, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's different. You can put the numbers up, but the interpretation uh, and the players that play in whatever formation you put up there dictates how that formation pans out. Mm. You can have you can go five at the back. Say if the two wide people are wingers. They're going to be bombing on. They're not going to be great defensively. If if you've got three up front, you've got a left footer on the right side, you've got Bobby through the middle, and you've got a right footer on the left side. They're not playing like it's wide. No, I, I understand that. So there's yeah. variations in everything. Sometimes Firmino drops off and the centre-backs are playing, what do they call it, the false yeah. number nine? Or something. So it depends on your movement. It depends on the players, and you can play whatever formation you want. I never played. I don't remember playing four three three per se. But when Russia was up front, I would drop off a wee bit. So more often than Russia. So does that make us playing a different formation other than four four two? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's, the, 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 the variations are there in creative for, by the players. Mm. And what you get from... You can put whatever numbers you want, but it's the players in the positions that give you the style of play. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that... I think if you listen to... If you listen to Jorgen talk about the way he plays, he, he talks more about a defensive formation rather than an offensive formation. So he, he doesn't... He wants the players... He, he says, how can I tell world-class players where they need to be on a football pitch. You know, he gives the players freedom. So when when you look at a 4-3-3, a lot of times you don't understand, you don't really take into, when you're watching a game, the, the tweaks that Jürgen does. So sometimes my dad says, if Firmino drops off, it becomes a 4-4-2 diamond. Mm. You know, even what he's done in the past as well is played two defensive ones in three and then played an attacking one, whether Oxlade-Chamberlain or somewhere else, who then pushes up in between the lines and then Firmino drops off and it becomes a box. 
You know, there's times there's times where Salah will go and play through the middle. Mm. And I think that I think that you can't become tied up with with formations and, and, and things like that. It's 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 just a it's just a guideline to, to start from. Um but I think that formations become a lot more important when you when you're talking about the defensive side than the, the attacking side. Mm. And and that to your point, remember at Liverpool, so when you had Ray Houghton and Barnes, so obviously Ray Houghton would tuck in and make almost a three in midfield and Barnes would push on to get a little bit higher as an, and a little bit wider when you had either Ross or Aldridge up front with Beardsley underneath. You know, so that that was classed as a four four two, but it you know, the players played in the positions that suited them. When my dad goes back, it was classed as four four two. What he would play now, it'd be classed as a number ten. Mm. It'd be classed as a four two three one because he'd drop off. Football's not really changed. People have just come up with new ways to describe things that have already been done in football. Did you, know, you agree with that, Kenny? They gave me Burnley. They gave me Burnley. If you if their threat is aerial, well, you're never going to get through. Well, very seldom you go through a game without getting a corner or a set play that they can launch into the box, or even if it's somebody with a long throw. But you're not going to defend your box. No. You're going to defend a bit higher up. So if the guy's heading it, he's not going to score for 35 yards out, is he? And their passing's going to be accurate. So if Liverpool will probably put them under pressure in their defensive half. And I don't think Burnley won't be taking too many short goal kicks. They won't be passing it to the centre-back in the box too often. He'll be launching it up to the big fella mm. and then he can have a fight. And if he plays... Phillips in there. Uh, he's, he's good in there, the air, isn't he? He's good. I, I play Phillips against Burnley. Yeah. Williams. He's good in there. They can. That's. I think the first touch both of them got was when they came on in different games with headers. Uh, hmm. So I'd, 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 I agree with you. I think I'd be more comfortable with uh, Phillips. I just think he's a little bit. More aggressive. A little bit more, well, a little bit, just a little bit more, I don't know, just seems a little bit more mature in mm. his performances at this moment in time, which is which is normal. He's got a bit three or four years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's what I'm saying, so. You would have thought so. And the experience in Germany would have stood him in good stead. His old man used to be a player as well at Bolton and Rangers. Uh, so, but... But that even even the other thing, if you're talking about set pieces, it might be a game where you could play Origi up front because he's going to help you on set pieces if he, you know, when, if he comes back to defend as well. That gives you a little bit more size. So if you're worried about size, that that would be another option. You know, playing more of a four-two-three-one with Origi through the middle. So I think, listen, whatever Jurgen decides, I think over the years, you don't doubt him. You just trust he's he's got us where we are. So, I mean, there, there are options that you could look in the squad and go, okay, that might suit Burnley. But whatever he decides, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be right. Well, Origi can play left as well. Yeah. So he's got he's got a few choices there, and sometimes sometimes the strength in an opposing team is also their Achilles heel. So they think their their strength, Burnley, for example, 
is get it up to the big fella up front, get Barnes running off him, right? Set plays are going to be dangerous. Sometimes they're not so good at defending the set plays that they're so good at getting goals from. Mm. So, <clears throat> maybe play on that a little bit. But if you've got, you've got Thiago there, there won't be too many things going through there. There won't, won't be too many things. And he... Yeah, not... He, he, he was... I mean, it's his first... I think it's the first full game, isn't it? Certainly at Anfield. <coughs> he he just... His wee legs wouldn't go fast enough to get back. But by the way, he's a treat to watch when he's on the ball. Mm. And if you're there, you'd better expect everything to come from him. Because even if you don't expect it, He's easy. He's got. Yeah. He's got telescopic eyes. And, and do, you know, do you know what's important to, to say? Yeah, you mentioned about a point earlier about sometimes you're more critical of of the team, right? Because you you then because you're not neutral when you're watching them. So we're concerned about Burnley. I can guarantee you they are more concerned about the pieces that Liverpool have if they put it together in this upcoming game than what. Liverpool fans are scared of of what Burnley can produce. So it's a game of it's a game of forcing your style onto the opposition. And I think if Liverpool force their style onto them, it's not even close. And I think that's the thing that you've got to do. If Liverpool have got the ball, slow the game down, get them running, get you know, keep keep possession. They can't put balls in the box if they don't have the ball. So Ultimately, their best defence against direct service can be not giving the ball away. You agree with that, Ken? Well, the best defence is, is giving the ball away. Yeah. No. I never heard no. that. As, oh, that's not listening, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You're at that age now. You might be able to you know get three here and eight. You might I didn't pick three. one now. I think my battery went flat there. <laughs> Going through a tunnel, Paul. I, I was looking at him and I'm thinking he's not listening. I'll, uh, I'll put no, him no, he's tuned out. He's probably, you know, what I was thinking, how am I going to stay awake through this? <laughs> well, listen, we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up there, nearly. Um, although I have prepared something, Kenny. Did you hear that, Dad? I have prepared something. I want you to analyse your performance on these two videos, okay? So what's happening here, Kenny? I know that. What happened? It was the first season, I think, in uh, Sky, and they were coming around the managers and doing various interviews, usually in their office. So I said to Richard Keyes, he said, will you do the interview? I said, yeah, I'll do it. I said, but you're not getting in the office. I said, well, where are we going to go? I said, what have we going to the golf course? We'll go to Porto Golf Course. I said, you can film it up there and have a chat whilst we're walking about. So he said, oh, hi, that's good. He said, we'll do that. So we got to this hole and uh, he said, where are we going? I said, it's a way up <laughs> right there. He went, oh, he said, where? There was a hill and a flagpole. And he said, right over his head there, right? So I went, it's up through there. He said, 
well, I can't you see the flag? I said, no, it's got goes down a hill. I said, aim for that the flagpole that you see stuck on the ground, right? Aim for that. He went, geez, that's a long way. I said, it's a par five. So he gets his driver out, right? <laughs> and he's left-handed, as you saw, and he, he hit it. And but We'd only played a couple of holes, and it was a great shot he hit. Really good driver went, oh, says Richard, great drive. Unfortunately, we're going the other way. <laughs> You can see your face in the video. You're absolutely buzzing with it. Like you, you just had him off completely. And like Richard Keys is a bit nervous because he's playing with you and he's playing golf on camera. You know, brilliant. Yeah, good, good shot, Richard. But your next one's going to be a long one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we went to another hole, and the boy who was the director of golf was there walking around this. So he said, oh, he said, uh, oh, the next hole, he says, the director of golf said, lovely hole. I went, yeah, good. He said, lovely par three. And I went, and I'm thinking, oh, no, it's not a par three, right? It wasn't a par three. This was a par five green. We were on a tee, right? And the hole we were playing was supposed to be a par five, and it's up the hill. So we're on this tee here, and there's a green over there. And he went, it's a par three. And I went, he said, oh, that's a lovely hole. And the front of the green, right? You know the bank at the front of the green between the tee and the green was a rockery. Now, have you ever seen a rockery on a, on a green when you're playing golf? And Keys went, Oh, that's a lovely hole. <laughs> it was a hole. It was a green for another hole. So did he play to he it again? To the back it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, listen, guys, thanks very much. Um, enjoyed what it again. What was the first one, Gavin? What's that, sir? What was the first picture? Oh, it was an interview of you interviewing one of the Sky reporters. I don't know whether you've seen it. So you're at, what's his name, Nick? Collins. Nick, Nick Collins. So you're actually interviewing Nick Collins. What do you think about the game? It was all right. It was at Anfield. I think you were manager of Blackburn at the time. Though. It might have been. It might have been after you won the league. I think. No, I've not seen it. Can you put it back on? We'll try it again. I'll see if I can get it again. Terrible humour. You usual trying to be funny. Oh, the is that where you get it from? Fight. Well, you find yourself funnier than anybody else finds you. Well. Right, you ready? Here we go. Nick, how pleasing was that result for you? Very pleasing, yeah. How pleased have you been so far with the season? Very pleased indeed. Can you a wee bit more forthcoming with your watch, please, Nick? Sure, yeah. Um, terrific season all round. We hoped that it would go to the last day of the season, obviously, and it did. So it was great, yeah. And what's been the most pleasing moment for yourself? Seeing the championship won. By your favourite club? Absolutely, yes. Uh, be honest, we always give you an honest answer. Are you giving us one? Yes. <laughs> the green soul. <laughs> so you never tipped us at the start of the season, did you? Do you know that for a fact? 
And the grace said you never. Well. And he'll be very, very disappointed with that result. I don't think he will. I don't oh, think he will. He was taking Manchester United. No, I said all along from uh, about half past five this afternoon that you were going to win Five, it was one each. Both places. I know. You were still ahead though, weren't you? Well, let's hope we get it right next year. Mate. Anyway. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking to you this year. Nick. Likewise. Thank you very much. Terrific stuff. Well deserved. I think I prefer being that side of the camera. Uh, it's easier, isn't it? <laughs> you weren't bad there. Oh, it was good. I think that's where Kelly gets it from, obviously. Well, it's... I thought it was Kelly. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that's obviously Blackburn, isn't it? Will that have been yeah. after? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anfield, that wouldn't would, it? That would, it looked like it was outside, just at the top of the tunnel. At Anfield, well, that nice. must have been the last game then. Yeah. Do you remember that? Nick Collins was. I remember it when I saw it. Did He's you hear it? Nick Collins. A wee bit humor. Well, there you go. Yeah, there very you good. go. Well, very good. Well, listen, we'll wrap this I up would. and um, we'll hopefully see you guys again in maybe a few weeks after we've uh, we've scored some goals. Uh, just before I, I go, longer than that, Gav, to speak to him again. <laughs> you love it, really. What about me? Do you not want to speak to me now? No. Fair enough. Um, just before I go, don't forget to subscribe and like the uh, the video. And um, thanks very much for watching. We'll see you all again. Cheers, boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.